Well, we've started a series beginning, beginning last week in which we're showing that the Bible, in addition to being a book of answers, is also a book of questions. And some of the most incisive questions ever raised come from the Bible. Now, last week, Pastor Connie looked at the first question in the Bible, and it's the question that a serpent asked. Did God really tell you you couldn't eat of the trees in the garden? And interestingly, in that same creation story, the second question arises where God says, Adam, where are you? Now, before we get to that, I want to tell you a little bit about my life journey. From the time I was a little boy in Sunday school, I'm with you in spirit, okay. <laughs> From the time I was a little boy in Sunday school, the creation story in the book of Genesis in the Bible has fascinated me. Other Bible stories came alive through the teacher's flannel graph stories. That was state of the art then, flannel graph, where you take these little figures and put them on the board, you know? Today it seems quaint. But the creation story was of, full of profound insights into why my world was the way it was. Even as a child, I picked up on that. And when I left the church after church, Sunday school and church, I would be in the out of doors. Now the out of doors is coming to us because we have the windows open and we can hear the mockingbirds and we can sense the feel of spring. And, uh, but I would go out and feel like somehow the story was being continued. What I just read in the Bible was being lived out in the world around me in creation. And, uh, I think it's fair to say that the first few chapters of the Bible gave me my lifelong fascination with nature and science. In particular, the part of the story about Adam and Eve in the garden and how they were made for fellowship with God and with each other and how they blew it all up by, not, by doing the one thing that God told them not to do. And uh, this probably began my thinking about why people are the way they are, which led me ultimately to become a pastor uh, as feeling that call from God. So this story was inspirational to me. However, this story was also the beginning of my doubts because there were things in the story that bothered me. I mean, this was long before there was a thing called feminism, let alone Me Too. But that rib story really bothered me. The put down of women, that it implied, the submission. And then I think I expressed this to somebody. They said, well, you do know it's a scientific fact that men have one less rib than women. 
Yeah, didn't you know that? So I had to find out. And of course it's not true. But you see how my mind was working, even at a young age. But it was not just that, it was that old question about where did Cain get his wife? If Adam and Eve were the first parents, literally, as they're presented in the Bible, how did their son marry somebody? Where did that woman come from? And then the six literal days of creation, I think fairly early that bothered me because I knew that the antiquity of the human race was much more than the 6,000 years you would get by adding up biblical genealogies. And I'll tell you, that hindered my appreciation for all the story told me because I was focusing on the problems with the story. I was taught that the Bible was inerrant and that every word of it was literally true, literally true. But I was learning something very important, that there are things in the Bible that are literary and not literal. And the literary part is a way of teaching us it can be poetry, it can be symbolism. And once I got that into my mind, it was so liberating to me because I realized that the lessons I was reading about was much more important than the, than, than the details of the years that are mentioned. And so I began to discover the deep, deep messages in that story. And so, um, that's where I'm coming from as I approach the second question in the Bible. You know, in the Renaissance, the early Renaissance, art flourished. And there were, uh, you know, artists were really fascinated with the human body, um, with nudes. But society said they couldn't paint them. so. They could paint Greek gods, though, because they were pagans. So they did that, and they could paint Adam and Eve, because that's part of the story. This comes from 1427 uh, Maccaccio, a Florentine artist. That's pretty early. I didn't show you the bottom, because the fig leaves aren't big enough. So in our story last week, Adam and Eve had taken the forbidden fruit and sinned against God, and because of that, they were hiding. In Genesis 3.8, we're going to pick up the story. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Many commentators suggest, based on their knowledge of, of the climate, that this late afternoon breeze was a particularly pleasant time that you would look forward to. And this idea in the garden that God would look forward to walking with his created people in the garden seems to be behind this. 
and that God had a pattern of fellowshipping with the people in the garden, all of this in beautiful symbolism. But they were hiding. It, it suggests that God created humans for company with him and that they were made to walk and talk with God and that it was natural for this to happen. But God seems far away. I found a country western song which I can't sing or won't sing. But it's about, does God seem far away? Guess who moved? Guess who moved? Well, Adam and Eve had moved and they were hiding. And so here is our question of the day. Our theme is the Bible raises important questions that we should ask. We're going to read about these questions, this question today, and we're going to find out surprisingly that the one question turns into four questions. Let's begin with verse 9. But the Lord God replied to the man and said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? Second question. The man said, The woman whom you gave to me, she gave me fruit from the tree, and I ate. And then the Lord God said to the woman, what is it that you have done? So there are actually four questions in here. Where are you? Second question of verse 11. Who told you that you were naked? The third question, have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you to eat? And the fourth question, what is this that you have done? Put this into an outline. And it seems to me that this is intentionally teaching us about the problems as human beings that we face because of our separation from God. Where are you speaks of alienation. Who told you that you were naked speaks of shame or guilt. Have you eaten from the tree speaks of disobedience. And what is this that you have done speaks of personal responsibility. Let's look at these questions one at a time. First, where are you? Separation from God. When God asked that question, it's answered by Adam in verse 10. I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid. There's no indication he was ever afraid before. But he was afraid now, he says, because I was naked and I hid myself. Okay? God knows where Adam is, but God still asks, where are you? Because you see, God knows where all of us are, but we've still got to know where we are. We've got to confess where we are. We have to admit that we're hiding and that we're far from God. So that's the first question. The second question is, 
Who told you that you were naked? The issue of shame and guilt is raised here. To fully understand this, you have to go back to the previous chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 24. And uh, after the creation, it says, Therefore a man leaves his father and mother and clings to his wife, and they become one flesh. That's very powerful stuff. It, it indicates uh, a unity more, more than friendship. It indicates a total connectedness, which sounds like sexual union. And the man and his wife were both naked, and they were not ashamed. So they're naked, but not ashamed. Now skip down to chapter 3, verse 7, and we read, Then the eyes of them, this is after partaking of the fruit, the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. And then, in verse 21, we read, And the Lord God made garments of skins for the man and his wife and clothed them. Now, I see here a progression from their original status, which is naked and unashamed in their creation, to being naked and ashamed so that they hide, and then finally to be clothed and forgiven. The naked, nakedness does not necessarily mean you should be ashamed. But if you're naked and ashamed, there's something else going on. And that is where the sin comes in. And we're given all kinds of suggestions about how they sin, but not, no specificity. And I think it's, it, it's purposeful because this story is about the human race falling into sin and being redeemed, but it's also about you and you and you. And everybody's story is different. But the Lord will teach us if we listen. Notice something really interesting. When, when Adam and Eve recognized that they were naked, they made fig leaves to cover themselves. And then later on, after God confronts them, he makes them clothes of animal skins. Have you ever noticed that? It's kind of similar if you think about it. Remember when Cain and Abel came to God with their offerings? And Cain brought offerings of the fruit and vegetables from his land, and God did not accept them. He accepted Abel's offering of animals. What's going on here? There's something being taught about how God deals with the seriousness of our sin and that there's something more natural and acceptable in our minds to eating fruits and vegetables. But when you have a hamburger later on today, I want you to think about the animal that had to die did you have eggs this morning? And think of what chicks you prevented. The stakes are higher. And the whole Old Testament system 
of sacrifice is built on this kind of notion that animals represent us in a way that plants don't. And the sacrificial system, which leads all the way up to the crucifixion of Christ on the cross, the Lamb of God. That's right there in the, in the scene of covering nakedness. Now go back to our original outline of the four questions. The third one is the question, have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? Have you done the thing I told you not to do? In fact, have you done the one thing I told you not to do? That's how basic it is when we get down to confessing our, our sin to God. We have to be very specific. And then he's very specific in forgiving us as well. But we have to be honest with him. The disobedience and the confession of that disobedience. And then finally, the fourth question. Oh, the I'm sorry, let's go to the third question again. And the uh, verse, verse 12, where the woman, the man said, the woman whom you gave me to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. Now, that's not confession of sin. That's con confession of her sin. And I'd be glad to tell you about my wife's sins. No, I wouldn't really be glad. But it's, it's, your, it's your own sin, your confession, which leads to the fourth question, which is, what is that you have done? Now, that is spoken to Eve. But the interesting thing is, when Eve hears that, she says in verse 13, the serpent tricked me and I ate. Who's your favorite serpent? TV, the genes you inherited, bad breaks in life, or your husband or wife. The buck stops here. That's an old saying, right? Well, in this story, the buck stops everywhere because everybody is cursed. Adam is cursed, Eve is cursed, the serpent is cursed. And by implication, all of creation. So everybody gets hurt. You can't pass the blame and you can't escape the results. And so uh, this is the story of the dilemma of the human race. Adam and Eve are everybody. But Adam and Eve are also every specific person. Adam and Eve are you. So the power of this story is that it does get to the bottom of the root of the problems of mankind, but also every human person. Every human person. I think we all have a time when we eat some kind of forbidden fruit. And it varies with who we are. I think it's what we know in literature as the loss of innocence, disillusionment, the dark night of the soul. 
in Psalm 40, wonderful description of crying from the desolate pit and from the miry bog. Everybody, everybody experiences that desolate pit, miry bog. Maybe several times, but certainly once. And when we're there, everything means more to us and the questions that are raised by God. Speak to it again. Our problems are alienation. Where are you today in relation to God? Your problem is shame. I know the things you don't want to tell anybody about. You don't even want to face them yourselves. Who told you that you were naked? Some inner voice that God gave you. And the disobedience is real. If you have a sense that you've offended God, it's because you have. And your confession should respond to that. But here, let me tell you something else. Yes, your alienation is real, but so is God's desire to renew fellowship. That's real. Your shame is real, but so is God's ability to wipe away all of your guilt and shame and make a cloth clothing for you. Your disobedience is real, but so is God's willingness to hear your confession for whatever it is you have done and to hear it as a loving father, not an angry judge. Your responsibility is real. You cannot escape that. But you stand before God, when you stand before God, as a human, not trying to escape all the implications of your Adamness or your Eveness. He honors that. He loves that. So my, my question in conclusion is, where are you right now? Are you in that first phase of being naked and un unashamed? Are you an innocent? God bless you. Tomorrow, <coughs> you won't be. Because all of us will hit that moment. Or are you naked and ashamed? Are you feeling the sinfulness that you have something that you don't want to confess to anyone? Or are you clothed and forgiven? You can be clothed and forgiven today. That's what this communion service is all about. The Lord sent his son to die on the cross to be the animal sacrifice for us. Clothed and forgiven, we come to the table, thankful for the body and blood of Christ, accepting all the blessings of daughtership and sonship that God has given to us. 
because he has clothed us in his righteousness. Let's pray. Our Lord, we thank you for the wonderful lesson of Adam and Eve, the wonderful disclosures of our human weakness and frailty that you understand, you know it all, you just want us to be open about it. We thank you for this. We expose ourselves to your love right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. We meet in Altadena every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Pacific, both in the sanctuary and on YouTube. Most other events will be starting up soon. But if you need prayer now, please reach out to us at altabapprayer@aol.com. And again, as always, we pray God's blessings on you this week.